Um, how are you doing this morning? Good, good. And Sebastian, what in Shambang Obis? Who didn't understand that? Hosa uh, neighbors, where are you? Please refer to the person with their hand. <laughs> no, I was just saying you guys look good. It's like you, you, you bathed in milk this morning. Um, yeah. Um, so we, we, we're carrying on with our series called Always. And the idea with, uh, with, behind the series is that there are certain things that as a people of God um, that we were supposed to do, that these are supposed to be part of our DNA. Um, these are supposed to be part of who we are. So as we go through this, um, this series, we are looking at those things and we're seeing how can we actually leave this out practically in our day-to-day lives. Um, and if you look at First Peter 2 verse 9, it says, But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light that you may display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So if we look at that word virtue, it talks about moral excellence and a quality of character. Um, And God's vision is to create in us a Jesus culture, a culture forged by scripture, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, and by his word. You know, so that's what we're really going after during this time, so that when we think about the word Christian or when people encounter us, that they may see these things entrenched in us and that they may not, you, you know, th- that those things may jump out at them. So that's what we're really going after. Um, but who, who knows that it's, we, we, we've, we've spoken about honor and, and, and blessing everyone always. You know, the first two sermons in the series were were honoring and blessing everyone always. And who knows that there are difficulties when it comes to that sometimes. So that is why we are coming together and we're workshopping this thing so that we can get it right. Amen? Amen. Um, So this morning I'm going to be talking about a very important and sensitive subject, um, which is forgiveness. So I am not going to be serious at all. <laughs> um, this past week we had Valentine's Day. Yes, no? Was I the only one who had Valentine's Day? <laughs> Me, I had it and I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I know um, at, at, at Howard, you guys were... We are God testing. <laughs> so, so many people got to meet their true love on Valentine's Day. Amen. <laughs> um, so, on this issue of forgiveness, there's a guy who I'll choose to name Foolish, who is married to a wife whose name I will call Unfortunate. So, Foolish goes to church. And this morning, this particular morning, he leaves his wife behind. Um, so as Foolish is in church, he enjoys it. And then he comes back home. And as soon as he comes back home, he goes straight to his wife, picks her up, and he spins around with her. You know? So unfortunate is perplexed, like, what's going on here? 
And then she asked, oh, how was church? Was church that good? You know, and, 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 and foolish is like, yeah, 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 church was good. And then, and, and then unfortunate because this guy has never picked her up in 20 years of marriage. She asked him, what happened? Why are you, why are you doing this? And so this guy says, um, in church we were told to pick up our burdens. So, the rest is history. Now we all understand why I called my friend foolish <laughs> and why I called the wife unfortunate. <laughs> um, it, it's a funny story, but underlying and, and, and playing, uh, bubbling under the story is, 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 is a time or, or a, a while of unforgiveness. You know, where this guy has been going through things with his wife and he hasn't really gotten to, to forgiving. And as such, there's a hardness of heart that is, that is come up on, on him. And, and now he thinks of his wife as a burden. I mean, I imagine when he first married her, that he was like bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You know that emoji with the, with the love eyes? Like I imagine he was like this. So for him to get to a place where he now thinks the very same wife um, is, is a burden, something must have gone wrong. Something must have happened over time. And this thing must have happened and he, he left it unchecked. You know? Because wives are blessings, they are not burdens. I speak from experience this morning. <laughs> Hello, blessing. <laughs> Fortunate. <laughs> I am, aren't I? <laughs> so now, as we, as we go into this um, topic of forgiveness, I know we've listened to and heard a lot of sermons on this subject. Who's heard a topic or a sermon on forgiveness? Who's just heard one? Heard lots, eh? Um, so this is an age-old subject. This is something that's been workshopped. This is something that's been scientifically. People have been trying to prove, get, it, get some formulas on how do we get this thing right. You know, the philosophers have, their, have a bash at it as well. So we, we've been talking about this for centuries. Um, but the, the reality is we still get angry. We still get offended, um, and and we still respond in in ways that we shouldn't respond in when we're upset. So today, I actually don't really want to talk about us forgiving a particular person, or you know something that's happened and you finding healing from that and forgiveness. Um, that's a good thing to happen, and if it does happen, that's great. Um, but more, more of what I'm going after is that our character, which is how we respond to situations, may be enhanced, that it may get better, that it may be aligned with God's word. That when we find opportunities to forgive, that we oblige and we do that. So when we find ourselves in situations where we're a bit, we're a bit irritated or a bit frustrated, or that someone's done something to tick us off, 
How do we, how do we respond? Do we kick out and scream? Um, do we swear? Do we curse? Do we cut people off? And what I mean by that is like, I'm not your friend anymore. Facebook block. WhatsApp block. <laughs> Number delete. <laughs> you know, is this, is this how we respond to when people, um, offend us? Or do we honor God? And do we honor people? And do we bless always? Even when they offend us. So I just want to talk about, um, before, before, before we get into the sermon, I want to give uh, off some definitions. Um, that forgiveness is not reconciliation. You know, forgiveness is one thing and reconciliation is another. I will speak about both, but mostly on forgiveness. Um, the difference between the two is that forgiveness is a solo decision. You don't need someone else to forgive. You know, you can do that by yourself. Reconciliation, you cannot reconcile by yourself. You need the other party, and if they're not party to that, then reconciliation cannot happen. And both of these things are actually a process. You know, sometimes they can happen instantaneously, but then they're a process. So as I speak about these things, just have that in mind, that I'm not only talking about something that's going to happen in the, in, the, in the flesh of an eye, um, but these sometimes are a process, and these are things that happen over time gradually. Amen? Amen. So we need to forgive God, we need to forgive others, and we need to forgive ourselves. Can we pray? Um, Father God, we bless you. And Lord, we pray that you may take your place this morning. Lord, I thank you that your word is, is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And I thank you, Lord, that you will do your work in us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, can we just look at... Sorry, I've just, missed, uh, just misplaced my, my scripture here. Can we just look at Matthew 11? I think it's Matthew 11:6. It's actually not here now. Okay, I'll have to read it from here. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach, to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one? Or do we look after, or do we need to look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John that the things which you hear and see, the blind, go and tell John the things which you see and you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended by me. So I want to just, please keep that up. But I want to just um, rewind a little bit before we get to that part. What had happened? You know, so we start talking about John. John was this amazing guy who Jesus himself said, you know what, if you think about all the prophets, none is greater than John the Baptist. You know, he was Jesus' cousin. Um, he was there to prepare the way for him. And he knew his purpose. He knew his identity. He knew who he was. You know, and as John started his ministry, 
he started growing in, pro- in prominence. He started growing um, in, in confidence as well. Uh, he knew that the Messiah was coming, and he knew that he was supposed to prepare the way for him. You know, so we're talking about a man who, who got so confident that he started challenging the religious order of the time. The religious hierarchy, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they came to him with answers, he told them, you, you, brutal, you must repent. You know, he told them off. He wasn't shy. So this is the kind of guy that we're talking about. Someone who has so much trust and so much faith in God and who's willing to stand out. When, when he saw Jesus, he recognized him as the Messiah. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He is worthy to be praised. And after this happened, he got even more confident and he started now challenging the tetrarch or the governor of the time, Herod. He challenged him because he married his brother's wife, his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. And when he challenged Herod, Herod wasn't happy with this. And he thought about killing him, but then he was scared of the people because the people loved John the Baptist so much. So he decided, you know what, I'm not going to kill him. I'd rather just throw him in jail. He'll just rot there, I'll just leave him there. So now when he's writing, when he's sending his disciples to Jesus, it's during this time that he's in jail. This is the very person who at the beginning was saying, you know what, you are the Messiah. I know exactly who you are. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. Now what is he saying to his disciples? He's sending them to go out and ask Jesus, are you the one that we were looking for? Or do we need to look for another? What has happened? What has happened in between? And when you, and when you look, and when you look at, at, at John the Baptist, He knew who and what God was. He knew who Jesus was as as he came. But in his question, you find that there's a twist or there's a shift that has happened in his heart. That as he, as, as he has, as he's in prison, something has happened in his, his heart. You know, maybe there's an, an unmet expectation. Because in his question, it's actually a very personal question. It looks like it's talking about everyone. Like, guy, I'm concerned about everyone. You're supposed to save all of us, and now this is not happening. But this is actually a very personal question. He is the one who's in jail. And so his question is more aligned with, when are you coming to get me out of here? This is not the script. This is not how I expected it to be. This is not how I saw it to be. When I was standing there in the wilderness, I knew that when you came, that none of this oppression would be here anymore. But what has happened? He's now in jail. So his question is a very personal question. And he's saying, you know what? I used to believe in you. I used to believe that you could do everything. But right now I'm stuck here. And there's something that's happening in my heart. I don't believe anymore. I don't see that you are that person because that person is supposed to do this. And you know that gap between our expectations 
and what is actually happening that is so often the source of our pain and our anguish and our disappointment. And so much can happen during that time. When we pray to God and we say, you know what, Lord, you know I'm trusting for this. And when you've been praying, and then you pray again, and then you pray again, and nothing is happening. What happens to your heart? Maybe he's not all loving. Maybe he's, he's, he's really not a father. Maybe he doesn't really care about me. Maybe this whole he loves all of us story is not true. Maybe he just doesn't love me. Make sense? Anyone can relate with what I'm talking about today? I think we're all John's here this morning. Amen? It's unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Where you sit and think, you know what? I've, 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 I've got this God. And He's here with me. And this is what I expect to happen. And when that doesn't happen, how do we respond to that? We can be offended with God. We can come to a place where it becomes difficult to pray or we don't want to pray. We don't want to come to church. You know, when, when someone talks to you about anything that has to do with church, you very quickly change the subject. What is happening? There's offense. There's hurt. And what is that offense doing? It's taking you away from God. It's taking you away from who He is. It's diminishing your faith. You're starting to not really believe in Him, in His power, in who He is. John sent His disciples and told them to ask, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And this is what Jesus responded. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised up, the deaf hear, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I need to go into another story to describe or to explain what Jesus was talking about when he said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. If you look at, did you please just put up the next scripture? If you look at Mark 3 verse 3, sorry, Mark 6 verse 3 to 6, um, it talks about the story of um, when Jesus went to his hometown. You know, so he, he comes and he says, he comes and he, and he's Jesus, you know, he's been gaining a popularity, he's been doing so many great and wonderful things. But when he comes to his hometown, I imagine it's just like me going back to Montfrey. You know, and, and when people, Montfrey is my hometown. So when people see, see, see me, and they're like, ah, is this not the one um, who was in preschool there and maybe talk about all the embarrassing things that I used to do as a child. You know, they, 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 they look at him as, you know, we know this person. 
He grew up just in front of us. You know, he's, he, he, he's, he's James's brother, the Judas and, and, and Simon, you know. Are not his sisters here with us? Don't, don't his family live here with us? Aren't they like us? You know, don't we uh, do everything, meet them in the shops? And, you know, isn't he just a, a common person? Isn't he just like one of us? And then what happens is it says they were offended at him. And then this is his response. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his, and in his own house. Now he who could do, now he could do no mighty work here except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because their unbelief. Then he went about the, the villages in a, in a circuit, excuse me, in a circuit teaching. So what has happened here? Jesus has gone back to his old, to, to where he comes from. And people are just like, why, why the, all the hoo-ha? We know this person. You know, it's okay. We, he, he's just, and they were offended in their hearts. Like, why are people even looking at him as a Messiah? Why are they believing so much in him? Why are they following him? And, and what happened in their hearts is they were offended. Why, why him? Maybe why not me? And as a result of this happening, Jesus couldn't do any miracles in their midst. He couldn't do any miracles in their midst. Not because his power was diminished, because of their offense, because of their lack of honor. So honor comes not from what God can do, but from who he from what from who he is. So when John was phrasing his question, he missed that thing because his question he was asking, "What can you do for me right now? Is it you who can help me in this situation?" And sometimes we find ourselves in that situation where we're like, "You know what? I find it very difficult to honor you." I find it very difficult to call you God. I find it very difficult to call you Father. I find it very difficult to say, I am your child, if circumstances are like this. If this is not changing, if this is not happening, if this hardship is still grinding me to the rock. So going back to the original story, Jesus' response was, the blind can see, the lame can walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised to life, the poor are receiving the gospel of life. What Jesus was trying to tell John is that, yes, I am still here. Yes, I am still doing things. Yes, I am still doing what the Messiah does. Yes, I am still there with you in your pain, in your suffering. I imagine it must have been frustrating for John. Because his question was, was a powerful question. It's a great question. And it's straightforward. Are you the one or not? Or do we look for another one? And this guy, in classic Jesus fashion, he's like, uh-uh. 
This is what is happening around here. He says nothing about who he is. And then he, he, he puts in just that little bit at the end that blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He saw the heart behind the question and he addressed it at the end. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Because what does offense do? It diminishes his stature. It diminishes who he is in your life. It diminishes what he can do in your life. You remember the blessings that were coming because Jesus was there? Blind, seeing, etc., etc. All of these things are happening. But in the other place where they were like, you know what, we know this guy. Nothing happened except maybe a few headaches were healed. Why? Because there was offense in their hearts. And it blocked their blessings. It blocked, it blocked their, 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 their faith, their belief in who God is and in what He is. You know, we need to, we need to look at God as not someone who is over there. Like far from us. Doesn't really know Exactly what's happening to the T, but kind of has a, a general idea, you know, and it's kind of running things. You know, we need, we need to, we need to change from that, from that mentality or from that way of seeing God. And we need to think about Him as a, as a, as a Father, first as a Father. And this is what a Father does. He loves, He nurtures, He's there for His children. He protects, He gives good gifts. And I'm sure you've seen natural fathers who would give anything to change their children's situation. But their hands were tied. I want you to listen to me carefully. I'm not not saying that there's some things that God cannot do. I'm saying that God is a partner with you. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're thinking about, God is there and He's partnering with you. Sometimes those things may take a, a longer time to happen. Sometimes those things may not happen in the way that you expect. Just in John's instance, he was not expecting that to be his portion. He knew everything else that was going to happen, but that was not his expectation. That was not his portion. So what I'm saying is that when you're going through those trials, when you're going through those tribulations, when you're going through those hardships, when you keep praying, God is not far from you that he cannot hear. He is so close. And he is a partner with you. So you're not praying to someone who's thinking, ah, I'll think about it. Uh, you, you know, that's, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about someone who's trustworthy. We're talking about a father. We're talking about someone who has your best interest at heart. And so what happens when you're in hardship is that family must draw close to one another. So when you're going through hardships, when you're going through difficulties, it's not a good idea to, 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 to separate yourself from God, to stop praying to Him. To stop spending time with Him. To stop worshipping Him. And remember, we're not worshipping Him for what He can do, but for who He is. 
He doesn't change. He remains the same always. Regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what is happening. And that's where our blessings come from, from being so close to Him. And instead of offense and cursing at Him, we bless. We bless Him. We make Him happy. We cry out to Him. We worship Him. We praise Him. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So every time we think about this thing of being angry at God, I think we need to change our paradigm. We need to shift. Something in us needs to shift. We need to stop thinking about him as, as a genie or someone who's far, who can just grant some wish, or maybe the other ones he'll decline. No, that's not who he is. Whatever is happening, no matter how small or how big it is, he is there and he's your partner. He's partnering with you. And you are supposed to be partnering with him as well. But because we don't find ourselves partnering with him, because we think we are alone, and because we think we're walking this thing alone, that's why we tend to think that way. That you know what, he doesn't want to help me. And that can happen as well when we think about other people. You know, when we think about people that we live with, family... Colleagues, congregation here, you know, people that I come to church with. <laughs> you, can, you can also start thinking the same way. Hey, you know what, this person doesn't want to help me, so you know what, I'm offended. I'm going to just... But how often are I supposed to forgive people? Because as much as I talk about that we're supposed to forgive, offenses are real. Um, anger is real. Frustration is real. You know, and, 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 and anger and frustrations are valid emotions. You know, they're okay. You, you're not, you're not demonized or you, you, you're not evil because you, you're angry or you're frustrated. You know, th- that's okay. But the, the thing is, how do you deal with that? How many times are you supposed to forgive? Scripture, Matthew 18. It says 70 times, 70 times. If you can just jump to that part where it says 70 times, 70 times. You know, 70 times 70 is 490. Oh, sorry, 70 times 7. Oh, yeah, 70 times 70 is not 490. Probably 4,900 or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 490 times you're supposed to forgive. And this is, this is just that same person. The scripture is not talking about, okay, so when you've got like a group of people like this, then you must forgive 490 times. No, this is just for one person. Like for Mark, I forgive 490. For Spiro, I forgive 490. Are you serious? <laughs> hey, 490. <laughs> and here's a question Here's a question Does this mean That we need to now put a logbook A forgiveness logbook 
or a spreadsheet for those who are techno savvy. <laughs> Maybe even put it on Google Docs. It's online. It's in cloud. <laughs> you know, I can change this wherever I am, on my iPad, on my phone, you know. <laughs> forgiveness logbook. So refill it. We're on 12 forgivenesses. <laughs> when we get to 490, it's over for you. <laughs> <laughs> but what Jesus was trying to capture in what he was saying, um, the, the, the number seven signifies perfection or infinity. So he's talking, he, he's trying to explain that, you know what, the, the number of times that we forgive is unlimited. Every time someone does something to you, we're supposed to forgive. That we're supposed to forgive always. That all the time there's an offense, we're supposed to forgive. Every time we're angry, we're supposed to forgive. Every time there's something that we don't like, we're supposed to forgive. And that's a difficult thing, isn't it? But it's possible. With Jesus, everything is possible. Um, The word offense in Greek is scandalon. Or uh, it's a trap or stumbling block. Um, and what traps and stumbling blocks do is they, called us, they cause us to be um, enslaved. Well, that's what a trap does. It, like, it, it, it imprisons you. Um, and, and, and what a stumbling block does, it is trips you. So we're talking about this offense that John had. And that's what it does. It causes you to be imprisoned. It causes you to trip. And what usually follows after is that we sin. Because when we trip, that means we're not standing upright in Christ. That means we fall short. We fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of His standard. We're going to play a video very soon. But before we get to the video, um, I just want to talk about this offense. You know, offense comes very, very sneakily sometimes. Sometimes you, you are aware that you know what, I'm not happy, I'm offended. Uh, and sometimes it just sneaks up on you. You realize, hey, why am I not feeling okay? And then you sit and you think about it and you're like, yeah, there's so and so who did this to me. You know, but offense has this thing that it, 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 it takes us away from faith, it takes us away from, from hope and belief, and it, and, and, it, and it causes us to sin and to stumble. And it, and it holds us in a prison. You know, and a lot of certain things can happen while we're in this prison. Okay, you can go.
Who wants to go to Ushaka after this? <laughs> after seeing that nice slide of people enjoying themselves. Um, but I wanna, what I want to talk about is that bucket. It's called a water bucket, very uninventive. Um, but it's called a water bucket. You'll find it in water parks, water worlds, and so forth. And, and usually what happens is kids will stand around it, and then they'll wait for that bucket to fill up. And when it fills up, it comes and it wets them. You know, so there's fun in the waiting and anticipating that it's going to come, and then it comes and washes over them. I see some of you looking at me like, oh, kids. <laughs> and some of you are looking at me like, I want to go. <laughs> but what I want to focus on is that that water bucket has one source. So there's one source that is filling that bucket. So the water is coming in. And then as the water fills up, it's spilling over. And when the water spills over, it came from one source, but it's pouring over so many people who are down there waiting. And that is what happens with us when we offended or when we have unbelief or unforgiveness in our hearts. You know, even if you were offended by one person, like the tap is just pouring into the bucket. What can happen is they can keep on offending you, keep on offending you, the water is pouring. They keep on offending you, and they keep on offending you, and they keep on offending you. And what happens sooner or later, the whole bucket falls over. And who suffers? Everyone else. Everyone else who is standing there around you. Your colleagues, your, your, your people, the people in church, who, whoever you encounter, those are the people who encounter, who suffer. And that's what can happen when we have unforgiveness in our hearts. Is that so many people can bear the wrath, can bear the, 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 the can bear the, yeah, the wrath <laughs> of our unforgiveness. You know, maybe they haven't done anything wrong to you per se, but because this person has been working on your emotions, has been working on this and that, now you start taking out your frustrations on them. Now you start cursing at them. Now you start um, giving them abrupt answers. Now you start making fights with them as well. Leviticus 16, verse 20 to 22. And when he made an end of, of, of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them in the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities to an uninhabited land. And he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So this scripture is taken from the the ordinances of what happened during the, the Day of Atonement. So what would happen is there were two goats amongst other animals. Um... And one of the goats was actually slaughtered and its blood was used for the tabernacle and inside um, the, 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 the house of God. And the other goat, like we're reading here, 
Aaron, who was the high priest at the time, would come and pray over it. And then he, what he would be praying is he'd be praying everyone's sins and everyone's transgressions that have, they've committed during that time period. And then what would happen is that goat will be taken and sent away. Have you ever heard the, the term scapegoat? That's where the term scapegoat comes from. Because this goat was the escape from all the sins that the people of Israel have done against God. And what God did in his, in his majesty and his righteousness, he said, you know what, I know, you guys, you are bad. <laughs> There's so much that you do. And sometimes, actually most of the time, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't deserve to be forgiven. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to bring a scapegoat. And that scapegoat is going to take all the frustration. It's going to take all the offense. It's going to take all my anger. It's going to take everything. We count it. It's there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to release and send it away. And that's what I want us to talk about. That's how we can deal with that offense in our lives. When we release and we send it away. There's a word um, for forgiveness in Greek. It's called ethiemi. And it means to release and send away. So when people start gossiping about you, this is how we're supposed to respond. Release and send away. When people tell lies about you, supposed to release and send away for that abandonment maybe a father whatever it could have been release send away trauma abuse disappointment unmet expectations what do we do release and send away release and send away that's what we're supposed to do And Ephesians 4 verse 31 to 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So just as much as God was the one who came up with this idea of, you know what, these people need a scapegoat. Because they offend me so many times. There's so many things that they do that are contrary to my word, that are contrary to what I've asked them to do. I will forgive them. Notice these guys, all they did was just maybe write down or or, or tell Aaron what their sins were. And then Aaron was the one who'd be, you know, so they didn't really need to do anything. But their sins were forgiven. And that's how God forgives and that's how we should forgive. That in order for us to release and send away, we don't have to have small come to me and plead and beg and kneel down and say, I'm so sorry, and have tears running down his eyes. <laughs> As I was talking about that, I was like, what are you saying? Small. <laughs> not because it's unrepent- not, not repentant, but because it's just got a certain way. Of about him <laughs> that is not like yeah anyway <laughs> oh. okay moving right along swiftly 
This thing of releasing, release and send away, yes. <laughs> so, so, so this concept of releasing and sending away, it sounds brilliant on paper. You know, if you're doing a, some assignment, you could get 100% for it. It sounds like a great idea. But how do we do this in practice? You know, who, who's ever been angry here? Frustrated? Disappointed? Like livid? I don't know, like I'm running out of things and offended. You know, like when you're in that place, even all those sermons that you've heard about, about forgiveness or unforgiveness, sometimes they fly out the window. You know, so practically, how do we take these principles and apply them into our lives? The first way is prayer. You know, in my, in my own life, I think I was in grade one, um, our teacher used to start a prayer this way. She said, Lord, I pray that I, be, that I may be more forgiving than I am. And then she carried on with the prayer. So every time she started a prayer, she'd be like, Lord, I pray that I may be more forgiving than I am. And then she started to pray. And then, you know, I, I, I grew up, my dad was a, was a priest, grew up in and around the church, at the school that I went to, spoke a lot about the Bible, I believed in God. And I'd hear these teachings about unforgiveness. And as a little boy, I was seven, I, I was struggling with anger, you know, and not being able to forgive people. So what I did is, as, as this lady started, was praying, her name was Mrs. Yeoman. So as Mrs. Yeoman would pray, I decided, you know what, I'm going to adopt this prayer. So I started, and every time before I started, uh, at the beginning of my prayer, I'd say, Lord, I pray that I may be more forgiving than I am. And I prayed this, and I prayed this, and I prayed this. And I got to a time where I actually forgot about it. Like it was just plug and play. Every time I'm playing, Lord, more forgiving than I am. <laughs> you know, may I, be, may I be more forgiving. You know, it got to a place where it's just routine. Every time I'm praying, I'm not even thinking about that first part. It's, it's, it's routine. It's, it's, it's there. But what happened is at some point, when I actually looked at it, I realized that, you know what? I was, it took a lot to get me angry. And so even without me noticing, as I kept on praying that prayer, God did something in me. As a seven-year-old, I'm saying the story, so you also think about our children. You know, that no, 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 they're too young. No, there's no such thing. That's a lesson that I learned when I was that old. And even when I got saved, I knew that. You know, when I gave, gave my life to Christ, that forgiveness thing was already out of the way. Because why? I started praying and I started pressing in and I really believed that God would do it. So that's one of the ways that we can do it. Pray about it. Pray for God. Pray to God for strength. Pray to God um, that you can get over the emotions, the anger, the frustration, whatever you may be going through. Just pray. That's the first point. Second thing is push yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, as a Christian, when I gave my life to Christ... I gave my life to someone who said, you owe me and, and, and now, um, some, some money 
that cannot even be put down. You know, you owe me so much, you can't quantify it. But I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to take that away. So if we always remember that this is our inheritance, that this is who we are in the kingdom, this is how our Father does, then we can also get into that place where we start thinking that, you know what, maybe if this person, if I had been this person and I was driving, um, maybe I would have also cut in, in, in front because they need to turn that way and they were on the opposite lane. So they really needed to just come across. You know, and maybe also think what could have been going on in their lives. Maybe they knew, maybe they don't really know um, Durban. Maybe they knew in driving and this whole thing is traumatic for them. First time drivers. <laughs> this whole thing is traumatic. You know, there, there could be so many reasons why they did that. And part of those reasons could be that they're just selfish. There could be a lot of good reasons or, or, or things that would make it more understandable that they acted that way. But also it could just be that they're just selfish. But we need to put ourselves in those people's shoes. And we even look at, even if they're just selfish or they're just rude, we need to look at that. Does this person know Christ? How was I before I knew Christ? Would I have sworn? Would I have done this? Would I have spoken to someone in this manner? And if sometimes you start thinking that way and it becomes your default mode of thinking, then you'll find you have more patience. Then you'll find you have more, more, more love to give to people and it will be easier for you to forgive. Another way we can do this is that we need to communicate our feelings and the way forward. And this is where now we start talking about reconciliation. You know, because sometimes you can just be sitting there and you can be like, you know what, this person has done this A, B, and C. I'm over them. I'm not going to talk to them. Um, you know what? But this communication, it helps for you to go and you, and, and, and you can explain or you can tell, let the other person in on how what they did made you feel. You know, that, that can help as well going to them and, and, and speaking to them about what that, what that was and, and how it made you feel and how are you going to work going forward. This is important. Because sometimes what we can do is we can just say, Wayne, I didn't like how you just told me um, I needed to get out of the room. And then Wayne is like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. What, 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 what. And then two weeks down the line, Wayne, out the room again to me. How? <laughs> When did we not talk about this? You know, so it's very important that when you're talking to someone about something that's hurt you, that you thresh a way forward, that you make time, even, even if they, 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 they say, okay, fine, I'm so sorry, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to. Okay, so how are we going to work this going forward? You know, so Wayne and I can talk, okay, Wayne, uh, never throw me out again. You know, <laughs> uh, I wish I had a better example for this, but you, you can think about things, <laughs> but you can think about things in your own life. Um, where, where, where people have offended you or, or whatever has happened. And, and what happens is sometimes we can have that, um, we, we can have that, 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 the thing that makes us want to block people off or stonewall them. You know, like, we're just going to get away. This is me. This is you. Get away. 
But that's actually killing people. Those people have value in Christ. Those people are loved by Him. And we're supposed to love them as well. So what I'm saying is sometimes you might communicate with someone, they might be unrepentant. They might not even apologize. But you must work out your side first. And then you must also think about your way forward, even without their buy-in. So if I come to Wayne and I talk to him, like, Wayne, like I don't like how you throw me out outside or whatever. And then Wayne is like, you know what, uh, uh, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Um, you need to deal with it, whatever, whatever. And then Wayne leaves me, you know, drops Mike, Wayne, and he leaves. <laughs> I need to find out how am I going to live with how, what, what, what this, this person's um, demeanor and attitude towards this thing. I need to find a way in that I'm going to limit the conflict and that I'm not going to put myself in a, in a position where I have to feel this way again. So unfortunately, you will not always get people coming to you saying, ah, I'm, I'm the biggest sinner, I apologize. Sometimes they'll just be like, ah, whatever. You know? And that's, and that's also where we need God. Because uh, individually... I don't want to go and... Where, where can I get a, an AK-47 or a bazooka? <laughs> you know, but, but, but when you go to God with all of that hurt, with all of that disappointment, with all of that anger, frustration, and you can also talk to someone else. Um, guys, this is actually very practical. And one more thing I want to talk about is forgiving ourselves. You know, we've spoken about forgiving God, forgiving other people. I want us to talk about forgiving ourselves. The other word for forgiveness in Greek is charisma. It means a gift from grace. And so often we can look at our lives, we can look at the decisions that we've made, we can look at the things that are in our lives and think back to, you know what, I messed up. And we can live in that place. We can live in that place where we, we, we're always condemning ourselves, where we're always calling ourselves not good enough or, or not this enough. But forgiveness is a gift that takes, from your past and make, that takes you from your past and makes you live in the present. This is a gift that Christ gave us, and we need to learn to give it to ourselves daily. We need to learn that when you wake up, to forgive yourself. You know, there may be things that you are still angry at yourself for that you did many years ago. Jesus said, as far as the west is from the east, that's, that's how far... I've distanced myself from your sin. That's how much I've forgotten even your sin. So we need to get to that place where we learn in our own lives to do that for ourselves, to die. Can we just get up to our feet? Not only do we need to learn to accept this gift of grace, but we need to give this gift of grace. And we need to be deliberate. This needs to be a a way that we do things. And we must always remember that we, our God um, is our suffering Savior. He suffered for all 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 the hurt, all the pain, and every other evil thing on the cross, for all the offense. 
he died for that. And he answers with himself. You know, I spoke about how so many people have tried to philosophize on this area of forgiveness. He didn't give us wise words. He gave us himself. What more can one give than themselves? That's how serious he was about forgiveness. How serious are we, church? Blessed is he who is not offended by Jesus. Release and send away. Learn to give and receive the gift of grace, knowing that Christ also forgive you. Come on, let's say it together. Blessed is he who is not offended by him. Repeat it one more time. Blessed is he who is not offended by Jesus. Release and send away. As we're saying release and send away, think about those people in your lives. Think about those instances. Think about whatever in your own life takes you to that place where you like, I don't want to forgive. I want to stay here and I want to be offended. And then just start saying, not for us. As your prayer before God, release and send away. As a prophetic word or declaration over your own life, just start saying release and send away. Over all those instances, over all those little things that you're starting to think about right now. They could be as old as you are, or they could be things that happened this morning. Release and send away. Lord, we thank you for your example, Lord. Lord, none of this would be possible, Lord, if we didn't know and we hadn't seen and observed from you how you tackled this very difficult subject, this very difficult emotions, these very difficult emotions that you stood for other God. Even against all the emotion and against all the feelings. Lord, I pray that we may be like you as well. That we may be deliberate about forgiving. That it may be high in our agenda. That we may look for opportunities to forgive, Lord. That we may have this grace, this gift of grace for others and for ourselves. That we may not be offended by you. We may see you in the right light as a father who is who's with us, who helps us, who is for us in everything. Help us, Father God, as we have those conversations with people. Help us, Jesus, as we, as we try and get this reconciliation. We pray, Father God, that you go before us and you soften people's hearts. I pray, Lord, that you give us the right words to speak, Lord, that our words will be seasoned with salt, that we may not offend, Lord, in us trying to, to, to air out our wrongs, but that our, our speech may be seasoned with salt and that it may be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Give us the wisdom, Lord, I pray. Amen.